the time has arrived once again. You can set your clocks bias. It is time for the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs and exclusive home of Chicago Cubs checking. You can open online today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. Now we're running a two-man weave here. It's myself and our digital content manager from Marquee Sports Network, Tony Andraki. And today, well, we have a very special guest. You know him, you love him. I mean, the man, they've named the city after him, the Schwindy City. <laughs> it's Frank Schwindel, who I, I, I'm not going to say this, because I, this is how I feel, but this is how I feel. Frank Schwindel, from me to you, Frank, you were jobbed when it came to that uh, National League Rookie of the Year. You finished tied <laughs> for six. But if you're up to me, I don't have a vote, but I, I would have gave you at least, at least a first or a second place vote. But either way, thanks so much for taking time out to join us here on the podcast. And how are you doing? so far this offseason. I'm doing great. No, I, I appreciate that. It means a lot, but uh, no, ha- happy to join you guys. Doing great. Absolutely. Well, we're glad that you're here with us. And uh, I know you joined Ryan Dempster on Off the Mound, presented by Sloan, very towards the back end of the season. You and Patrick Wisdom, you guys came out. And not only did you come out, you came out full uniform. And, you know, I got to tip my cap <laughs> to you on that one. I know you said that you were looking to spend a little off-season time down in the islands in the Dominican Republic. Uh, have you gotten down there yet? And what have you done so far that you've had all this off time? No, not much. Uh, you know, took some time off with the family, just hanging out with uh, our 10-month-old son. We went down to the Dominican for a week already, uh, head back down this weekend, so can't beat that. But uh, other than that, just got back into hitting and working out and getting ready for 2022. Now, Tony, before you, you take over right here, you know, I, I was down in the Dominican Republic about a month ago, Frank, and I was, uh, as it went on excursions, everywhere I looked out the window, I'm like, hey, who knows? Maybe I'll bump into Frank Schwindel. Maybe the <laughs> right time, right place. But uh, I'm glad you got a little time to, to rest, recuperate, and regroup, man. No doubt about it. Oh, absolutely. Beautiful country down there, and they love their baseball just as much as they love having a good time. Frank, it's been, a, you know, five, six weeks or so since the season ended. In that time, have you spent much time decompressing and looking back on the year that you had and this kind of magical run? And has it all sunk in yet? I mean, you know, you came up to the team at waiver claim from the Cubs and then come up shortly after the trade deadline. And then, you know, by early September, I was in the airport and I saw a Cubs fan wearing a Schwindel jersey there. You know, it was like it was like within a month, like the fan base embraced you. But just for you, has it all really sunk in everything that you had on this, this kind of magical 2021? I don't think it honestly sunk in yet. I mean, uh, it was it was nice finishing up that last game and kind of be like, all right, now we could take a deep breath and reflect on it. But I didn't I didn't really feel any different. Uh, but you know, I, I just enjoy playing the game. But it, it, like you said, it, it's cool seeing you know all the fan support and like you know getting the cameo requests, stuff like that. You know, get messages. And, you know, it's it's been cool. But I don't think uh, I don't think it's really set in yet. Maybe when I uh, go back in spring training, see a couple more jerseys or get back to Wrigley and, you know, look around. But, uh, you know, it, it was unbelievable. Frank, when you get traded, any player in Major League Baseball, for that matter, you can look at that trade one of two ways. You can look at it as the team that dealt you, they didn't want you, or the team that acquired you, they really wanted you. And when you picked up with the Cubs, I mean, you wasted really zero time. You went out there, you got comfortable in the batter's box, and you were able able to make that smooth transition so what made things so easy as you made the move from Oakland to Chicago I just think it was the you know basically they met with me they said you're our guy and you know you're gonna play every day first base I'm like I've never been told that before and uh, just the confidence they had in me it allowed me to just go out there and you know not have to worry about looking at the lineup and seeing if I'm playing or not or you know tracking when the lefty's gonna be throwing and then seeing if I'm in the lineup or not they just said you know you're we're gonna we're riding with you and you know go do your thing. And 
that's like for the first time I felt the confidence from, you know, the organization. And then it makes it a lot easier as a player to go do that, go out there and do your thing. What was, from your perspective, what was it like, you know, really right after the trade deadline, after all these guys, you know, Rizzo and Baez and Bryant were traded, but you were part of the group. You know, I know you had a couple weeks in Iowa with some of those guys, but to come up and then there was, you know, eight, nine different guys, like a brand new clubhouse, really getting to know each other. What was that like from your end? And then also like getting to know the coaching staff, like Ross and Andy Green and, and the other guys there. Oh, it was crazy. It, it all happened so fast, obviously, with uh, the uncertainty. You know, you, you try not to worry about it when you're playing, but you see, like, you know, the Cubs are making moves. You see ESPN or, you know, Baseball Network is on in every clubhouse. And you're kind of following along. And then as those moves started to be made, you start thinking, like, all right, maybe maybe this is the chance right here. But, uh, you know, even when I first got there, I got there. And by the time I was dressed, it was the second inning in Washington. So I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm on the field with the guys that, you know, I played against, but I don't really know anybody, and I, I don't know the manager, I don't know the staff, and I'm in the dugout with a Cubs uniform on, and I'm like, oh man, this is this is awesome, but you know, it didn't really hit me until you know, got I actually got in the lineup and you know, started started producing. Then it's like, all right, I'm a, I'm the first baseman for the Chicago Cubs, just an unbelievable feeling. But yeah, it just happened so fast. Frank, being able to have that peace of mind, that, that slice of confidence for, for all the kids out there and for everyone who's a Cubs fan that's watching and listening to this, uh, how big is it to be confident in your own game? And you said when the Cubs told you that you'd be the everyday first baseman, that's exactly what it gave you. It gave you that sense of confidence that you never had before. Oh, absolutely. You know, nothing changed as a player. You know, it's my same swing. Uh, go about everyday, everyday life the same, you know, working hard and everything. But once the, once they gave me that, you know, you're our guy. That's like, all right, now I can go play baseball. You know, that, that's how I was feeling in AAA. I started off on a tear in Vegas because, you know, I had nothing to worry about, no expectations really. But then, uh, you know, the two weeks in Oakland, Homer the first at bat and then get taken out later that game because a righty came in, stuff like that. So you, it's like the first time I had confidence from the staff, it just made it a lot easier as a player to, you know, believe in myself. So how does that compare, that level of confidence they instilled in you? How does that compare to the rest of the career and it, that you've had and stops along the way, you know, and, and just what that did to help relax you, knowing that these guys, like you said, had belief in you from the start? Oh, it's a, that's the biggest thing. The hardest thing to do is, is hitting in the big leagues, but when you're not getting those everyday at-bats, it makes it that much harder. And, uh, you know, I was, I was happy enough and thankful enough to be opening day first baseman for the Kansas City Royals, and then they had a righty on the mound the next day, so I wasn't in the lineup. So it's, it's, it's that type of thing where, you know, opening day was on a Tuesday or whatever, and I knew I wasn't going to play again until that Saturday, something like that. So it's just uh, the, the confidence they had that I can hit righties and uh, that they want me out there every day. And uh, obviously, National League, no DH, so they, they trust me in the field as well. But, um, yeah, it just, it just uh, overall more, more comfortable feeling walking into those clubhouses rather than, being a guy that's, you know, just to hit lefties or something like that. It's, uh, you know, a lot better getting those everyday at-bats. Yeah, no DH in the National League yet, Frank. We'll, we'll see how things change potentially <laughs> when it comes uh, December 1st and that uh, CBA expires. But that's another topic for another day. But, you know, you yep. seem to be a man of the people. You know, you're an East Coast guy, but, you know, you came here in Chicago and, and you got off to that hot start. And as things started to click and as your play continued to ratchet up, you know, it, it wasn't what we're used to seeing. You know, we'd see you out, you'd be out at, at whether it was Murphy's or right across the street, and you really embraced 
the city of Chicago. Was that easy for you to do as, as you saw yourself and, and people wearing your jersey and, and jerseys all around the Wrigleyville area? Oh, it, it was like an unbelievable experience. I think uh, I think I had 10 of my buddies out that series. And uh, it was like the Labor Day weekend where we had a couple of, uh, you know, the couple wins in a row against the Pirates. And, you know, we went out the one night, just, you know, couple couple beers at uh, Murphy's or whatever. And uh, they didn't really know who I was. We walk in, you know, go pay for our drinks, whatever. And then uh, it was like the two days later, we could hardly get in without pictures, autographs, you know. Yeah. Hey, come 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 over here. Come hang out with us, stuff like that. And my buddies were having a better time than me because I'm, I'm just hanging out, just trying to soak it all in. But uh, I feel like it happened overnight. But just, just yeah, my buddies stayed right down the road. So we'd walk down park after the game. And people like pulling up to take pictures and autographs or something. They're like, all right, come on, Frank, we got to go. But I'm just like, just, just the way they embraced me and they welcomed me into the city was, it was, it was just an awesome feeling to see that. It looked as if Frank, that you and your boys tight knit group, you guys look like you used to ride bikes together, but either way, who was it a bigger deal for? Was it a bigger deal for you or was it a bigger deal for them being in the stands and being outside and Wrigleyville being like, Hey, Frank Swindell, that's our guy. We've grown up with this cat. I, I think it was a bigger deal for them because obviously they had the the first Frank Swindell jerseys and they had the fat heads going and they were getting just as much attention in the stands as I was on the field because, you know, they're the ones that can talk to people the whole game. They're, they're high-fiving people on big hits or something. And uh, I, I just thought it was awesome. Just every time I looked up, they're, they're either laughing or clapping or going nuts. So that was, that was just awesome to have, uh, have them there, but you're, you're exactly right. You know, we grew up playing baseball together, riding bikes to, you know, the courts, playing some basketball, whatever. And, uh, yeah, I've known those guys forever. They didn't, they didn't miss my debut in Kansas city. They were out in Chicago a couple of times. It's, I'm, I'm very blessed. Yeah. But what's up with your boy in the Yankees Jersey though? Who's that dude? Which one? <laughs> I feel like everybody had a Cubs Frank Swindell Jersey on, but there was one guy that had that Yankees Jersey on. He's like, you know what? It doesn't matter. I'm, I'm a Yankees fan through and through. Uh, I guess I guess I'll let them have that one, but uh, yeah, we okay. all grew up Yankee fans. We're about nice. you know forty five minutes from uh, Yankee Stadium, but yeah, that, uh, at least it was a baseball jersey. But we'll go with that. <laughs> Got it, Frank. How were you able to have such a good time on the field? You you know you talk about like the support system off it, but we saw so many times you know like in the dugout that like whole thumbs up thing that you had with the camera there, and and I remember like that play that you made this um, this nice like kind of half diving stop. Uh, and then you, you pointed to Andy Green in the dugout, too, and you had you flashed this big smile. But, you know, that, that is kind of rare. We don't necessarily see baseball players show that kind of emotion or passion a lot. But where does that come from for you, where you're, you look kind of like a kid just out there having a good time with your buddies? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think I've said it before, but just there's no better feeling than putting on a big league uniform and then, you know, just having as much fun as you can, not necessarily messing around. But you go out there and you have a good time because this game's hard enough. So it's, there's no nothing wrong with throwing a smile here and there. And like I'm not I'm not one to necessarily pimp home runs or anything, but I'd rather you know celebrate with the guys as soon as I get in. So it's like you know not showing anybody up, but you did something cool. You could celebrate with your buddies in the dugout. So that's that's the way I see it. And then uh, that one in particular with the with the Andy Green. You know we were working hard on my defense. I know that was one of the one of the spots, you know, we were working on just to get better and better, you know, footwork, stuff like that. And uh, he was hitting me rockets that pregame just to, mm-hmm. you know, messing with me a little bit just to see what I can handle. And then sure enough, it was the second battery game. I made that play. So I, I let him know it. And uh, everybody liked that one. I like that. Frank out there making his weaknesses, his strengths. And that is always <laughs> what you want to see from a guy, especially when you put up numbers like you did. And when it comes to 2021, Frank, is, is there one moment in particular that jumps out as you? 
your favorite? Uh, it had to be the Labor Day weekend. It was the uh, the walk-off slide. Obviously, I would have much rather that ball go through and not have to deal with that, uh, the review and everything. But I think that made it that much cooler that you see a guy like me uh, just lay out and try and get there and, and made it happen. And then, uh, you know, they ripped the buttons off my jersey. And then the, the suspense of, oh, was I safer out? And I'm like, no, we're, we're not going back out there. I was safe 100%. And then uh, just celebrating with the guys. And then, you know, the crazy game the next day was uh, the Duff Grand Slam, then my Grand Slam later. That was just like, it was like an unbelievable week of baseball. And that, that was when all my buddies were out there too. So it's just full circle, having a great time with, you know, not only my friends, but the whole, the whole squad was, uh, you know, we were winning and you couldn't beat it. Yeah, were they ready in the clubhouse just in case you had to go back out in the field because, like you said, they ripped the buttons clean off that jersey. Oh, I know. <laughs> they, they were scrambling. They had to get me a new one. So uh, yeah. during that review, I think I forget who it was. They ran up to you know get my backup jersey or whatever. They had that ready. I was soaking wet. They, they asked nice. if I needed cleats or anything, but uh, I was just like, no, don't don't make us go back out there. Come on, uh, whatever the booth review in New York. Just just say you know safe and let's get out of here. Shake hands and have a good time. <laughs> Frank, you mentioned your defense and, and how much you worked on that with Andy throughout the year. But how important was that to you to to improve that aspect of your game? And then, you know, what kind of impact did Andy Green have on you throughout the year? And we saw you guys out there multiple times before games, that one instance you mentioned. But just a lot of times, you know, with Andy working with you, how important was that and how much of a focus is that for you, too, moving forward? No, that was that meant a lot to me because obviously they want their best product on the field. But it was like for one of the first times, it seemed like they actually cared for me to get better out there, not just you know go out and hit and whatever happens happens with the defense. But they like they want me to be you know a complete player, and you know to be make be able to make an impact out there, whether it's saving an error from another guy or you know saving a ball from going down the line to save a run or whatever. But they 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 just took the time to make sure. I got my work in and, uh, you know, they drilled me to, to be uh, the best that I could in that short time I was there. And, you know, I'm taking all that into the off season to try and come back even better than last year. But like I said, just, just the fact that they cared enough to work with me and they wanted me to be better. It made me want to be even better. Frank, you say you're taking all that into the off season, looking to improve for 2022. Uh, you know, if everything goes according to plan, you'll get 162 to showcase your wares for the Chicago Cubs. So what, what are you looking to do this season coming up? Is it, you know, just put the ball and play more? Is it you know, be better on defense? Uh, is there anything that you know and say, hey, you know, that was 2021, 2022. It's going to be a new, improved Frank Schwindel. I, I wouldn't say new and improved, but if I can go out there and do that exact same thing, I don't think anybody would yeah. be too mad with that. So I'm going to, you know, go about my off season the same way I always done and uh, try and just do exactly what I did last year. And, you know, hopefully the only goal is to win more games and that's as a ball club. So, uh, you know, go out there, give it my best every single time. If I can repeat that, that's, that's going to be awesome and uh, go from there. All right. You won, of course, uh, National League Rookie of the Month, not once, but twice to round out the season. It's Frank Schwindel joining us here on the Cubs Weekly Podcast. We're going to continue to chat with the man that we like to call Frankie Barrels on Cubs Live and Cubs <laughs> Post Game Live. But uh, until then, a word from our sponsor, Wintrust. Stick around. At Wintrust, we know true fans show their team pride every chance they get. With Cubs checking, you'll score a Cubs debit card so you can show your support every time you pay. Open today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. $100 required to open. Member FDIC. 
All right, the fun continues here with the Cubs starting first baseman, Frank Schwindel, finished tied for six in the National League, a rookie of the year voting. And, uh, well, one of the reasons you were at first base every single day once you came over with the Chicago Cubs, it's because of David Ross. He had the confidence to pencil you in as his starting first baseman, Frank. So when it comes to your relationship with Rossi, what's it been like in a short sample size? Oh, he's been awesome. I mean, uh, you know, he's he was always positive. He wasn't put in the easiest situation with all his guys leaving. You know, he played with them, won a World Series with them. So that's got to be tough for anybody. But, uh, you know, welcoming the new guys with open arms. And he, you could tell he he uh, he motivated us and he wanted to have a good time. And then once once we got on that little roll and, you know, guys are playing hard, playing the game the right way, it was, he's an easy guy to play for. And I think he enjoyed watching us do what we did. That first series um, in Colorado, like the first full series you had as a Cub, you made your first start out there. Did did Ross or any of the coaches have any uh, tips for you, like, hey, go out there and do your thing? Or what did they say to you kind of in advance of your first start? No, that was that was pretty much it. Go be you and show everybody what you got. And I was just like, no, I, I was just pumped to be in the lineup and, uh, you know, got a hit early to take the pressure off and, you know, went from there. But, uh, you know, got a couple – but I remember battling a couple of tough at bats, a couple of RBIs, and you know it was just nice coming in the dugout, shaking hands with everybody, and I felt like part of the team there. You talk about being part of the team. Is there anyone in particular that you felt a, a certain bond with? Because you know after the trade deadline, the team looked like like a stew. It was somewhat of a gumbo. A lot of new faces around, and uh, like you said, all show long, you know you were able to step right in and 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 make it a seamless transition. Do you, do you have a special relationship with anyone in particular on the squad, Frank? Uh, I would say Mills helped me out through, through uh, you know, being the new guy because I played with him with Kansas City, and he, he was awesome. Uh, just helped me transition. But, uh, you know, everybody in the clubhouse was great, whether it's, you know, uh, the new guys or the guys that were there. And, uh, you know, it was a tough situation. Half the team was gone in just the blink of an eye. And then you got a bunch of guys that come in that they didn't really know or haven't really played against. And, you know, you're looking around the diamond and it could be a whole different lineup on any given day. But, uh you know, the, the team, I think we bonded together and it was, it was a great clubhouse uh, to be a part of. Frank, what was something in your extended run here in the big leagues? What was something that you maybe learned or picked up that you didn't necessarily know or weren't expecting prior to that in the big leagues? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, uh, just the work that everybody puts in on an everyday basis, you know, uh, the, the time they put in not only just in the cage and on the field pregame, but, you know, the video they watch, the reports that were going over, stuff like that. It's just, you know, it's just one more thing to add to the preparation rather than the minor leagues. Half the time you just show up and, and, and hit, but whatever. But uh, this is just the attention to detail, I think, was the biggest difference. Frank, when it comes to you being able to continue what you did in 2021 next season, is there any one piece of advice that you've ever gotten along your journey in, in Major League Baseball, whether it came from someone on a coaching staff, a fan, an, an instructor? Is there anything that, that really resonated with you? I think my biggest thing is, uh, you know, playing the situation, whether I'm a guy that hates striking out. So they say, um, I've been told for, I've had a couple of coaches, they put it like, you know, the first two strikes are yours to work with. And then once you're down to two strikes, that's a team strike. That's uh, you know, you choke up and you try to make something happen. So I yeah. feel like, uh, you know, that's the thing I'm aggressive early on, but I, I try and be a tough out and, you know, whether it's just, you know, putting some barrel on it to score a run, whatever that may be. But I think that's a, that's a big part of my game where I hate striking out and, uh, 
I'm going to, I'm going to do what I can to be a, a tough out. Do we think we can hold a Q&A forum with all the sabermetricians out there? Because apparently in this day and age, strikeouts, they, they really don't matter. You know, I have right. one for you before Tony gets another question in for you. This is a debate that we've talked about a long time around the hallways of Marquee Sports Network. All right, Frank, here it is, man. You have runners on, first and third, one out. You hit your own. You know what? Let's go with no outs. You hit into a double play, run scores. Is that an RBI? Oof. That's probably the hardest one because, you know, it's, you're get, it's a you're getting, run batted in, right? Essentially, you're getting like the pity high fives, like, all right, you drove them in, but, you know, stuff like that. That's one you hate walking back to, but you'd rather score the run there than, you know, strike out and then have the next guy do a double play. So at least you, you at least you put one on the board. Every run's valuable, especially in the big leagues. But uh, that's that's one of those that's probably the toughest question in baseball rather than you know, obviously we want to sacrifice if we're moving a runner with, with nobody out and runner on second, but that's, that's probably the other, the other only one where, you know, it's the, the pity high fives on it. <laughs> yeah. Get them on, get them over, get them. Absolutely. There you go. Frank, we saw that just the offense overall in the final couple months really started to gel and you guys looked like you were, you know, this really cohesive group and, and you were penciling in that two spot a lot with Ortega above you, hat behind you and wisdom, kind of after that, but just knowing that you were always kind of in that same spot you mentioned was helpful, but knowing maybe that other guys were there, like Ortega was almost often leadoff hitter or Hap and Wisdom were behind you. How did that help? And what do you kind of see going forward for this group? I know we don't know exactly what's going to be added to the roster, but just what you guys were able to do offensively and carry that over as a lineup to next year. No, I think it looked great. Ortega always worked a good at bat leading off. You know, we got a we got a good uh, sense of what the guy was coming at us with after that at bat. Um, you know, me being second, Hap was hot as can be behind me. Contreras was, you know, he was putting some good at bats together and he hits the ball just as hard as anybody in the league. Wisdom, he can homer at any given time. Duff was hot down the stretch and, you know, just just leading off just like that. That's, that's a good lineup. And uh, on any given day, we can, you know, we could do some damage. And then, uh, you know, shaking up towards the end a little bit for uh, – who hit after that, but that was, I mean, that was a pretty good lineup right there. So we could build on that and, you know, a lot of, a lot of great hitters. Yeah. With all those great hitters, you know, you sprinkle in a free agent here, a free agent there, because uh, as we know, free agency, the Cubs are looking to be aggressive. So we know where, where your head's at when it comes to next season, Frank, but as a team overall, as a whole, what, what, what's the goal? Is it winning a national league central title? I don't know. You know, I think uh, we're going to go in there and try and play our best baseball, but obviously the goal is to win. Yeah. But uh, I, I think we can do it with the guys we have. We just got to, you know, go in and put the, put, put the work. I don't, I don't think we're really out of too many games besides those ones where we'd have the big inning, you know, let up a seven mm -hmm. or something and then just took the wind out of the sails. But we, we battled through every game. We battled late. And there's a lot of one-run ball games that could have went either way. So I think we're right there. Okay. Well, this Cubs team, they are on the cusp of greatness. We talked about it with Jed Hoyer many a times, uh, being the architect of that next great Cubs team with this franchise. Well, it's going to be something very fun to see once everything comes to fruition. Frank Schwindel, the Cubs starting first baseman 2021 and beyond has a nice ring to it. Frank, thanks so much for taking time out. And uh, what, do, what do you do to keep the mosquitoes away down in the Dominican Republic? Because I got scars on my hands. I mean, they, 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 oh, they were all over me, man. That means you got that sweet skin, but uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, just uh, you know, some bug spray, and you know, they got the nets too. But uh, no, it's, it's an awesome, awesome place to be. 
I'm going to have to bring a citronella candle. Thanks to my man, Frank Schwindel. <laughs> Frank, appreciate the time as always. And that's going to do it for this edition of the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Trust. Remember, download and subscribe to the pod on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and check it out in video form live and direct on the Marquee Sports Network app and YouTube. Thank you.